This is the Spurs Insider, our NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. I'm Mike Finger, joined by Jeff McDonald and Tom Worsborn. And today we're going to break down the Spurs outlook for the NBA draft and take a look back on the 20th anniversary of the team's first championship in 1999. I read that, Jeff and Tom. I, I don't know if people realize that, but we're starting a new podcast where we're in this fancy studio with all kinds of foam on the walls for for sonic reasons and i read an introductory paragraph to start this whole thing i see and i and so now we're going to move on and we're going to talk about spur stuff we're going to talk about the present and the past and the future and this is like a new chapter and i'm just wondering if y'all y'all are ready to go I'm just distracted by the foam stuff. I feel like an like an egg, like in the middle of an egg carton. Well, that's 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 to cut down on uh, reverb, and, uh, and other words are just sonic making, other words are just making up right now. Correct. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the NBA. Tom, do you want to say anything? This is our first <laughs> roundtable podcast of a new era. I'm just proud and honored to be here. Okay, uh, we all are. Uh, the NBA draft is Thursday night. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, this could be Wednesday or Thursday, or or it could have already happened if you're just going back and so fast and, forward that part and listening yeah. to this. Uh, if, if this is Friday, hit fast red, forward now. You could yeah. be listening to this and finding out whether we knew what the heck we were talking about before the draft. But the, the Spurs have no. the the Spurs no. have the 19th pick, the 29th pick, and the 49th overall picks. That's what they have right now. What is your feeling, Jeff McDonald, on what they should do with those picks? Should they trade them? Should they take a specific player that you love? Uh, what is the strategy going into draft night? I, I'm. I'll just say I'm going to be surprised if they take. If you're even if you're just talking about the first round, I think I'm going to be surprised if they take two players who are need to be on next year's roster, meaning two right. new rookies. Either you use use them to trade up for one guy, or you use the second one on a kind of a draft and stash guy. But I don't, I don't. This team is so young, the roster is so young already. It would just seem odd to take two guys that you have to pay, have to take a roster spot, have a guaranteed contract starting next year. I I just think one of those picks is going to get moved or used on someone that's not going to be on the roster immediately. And in terms of roster space, a lot of those spots are pretty full right Right. now. Even if you're assuming you you don't bring back Quincy Pondexter and Dante Cunningham and and all these guys, you're still kind of a roster crunch. Right. So to your point, um, I would think – that it would be realistic to expect the Spurs after Thursday night to have one new first rounder that they're going to bring into camp and kind of compete for a spot. That would be my probably not yeah. two. Like you're saying, packaging those two together, moving up would be a would be an option, or or just using one and and on 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 a player and and using the other for the draft and stash. I'm repeating what you just said, but I feel like uh, we need to uh, continue to speak. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and because that's it's it's right. Yes, <laughs> that's correct. Tom, do you have any feelings on the draft? Well. I, I like that uh, kid from Villanova, Eric Pascal, uh-huh. uh, older rookie, really defensive minded. Um, you know, I just think he'd be a perfect fit. But I, that's that flies in the face of what Jeff sa- just said, which which is correct, of course. But but in a perfect world, I think he'd be a great fit for the Spurs. Right? You know, he's been compared to a poor man's uh, Paul Millsap, who we all just saw in that uh, series against the Nuggets. And I uh, just really think he'd be a great fit for the Spurs. He won, he won a title in San Antonio with the Villanova uh, last year. Um, if we're going to talk about just players that we like, uh, even this this is unrealistic, um, I think if they move up for somebody, a perfect Spurs, Brandon Clark from Gonzaga, 
Um, he's probably going to go higher than 19th. So maybe that's a guy you target move up. He's just a guy who seems very spursy. He can defend a lot of positions, uh, kind of addresses a, a front court need, can do a lot of cool stuff. But um, that, I mean, that, that might be a pipe dream. That that's probably what's written on RC's draft board too. Can do a lot of cool stuff. Exactly, and very spursy. <laughs> and very <Yes>. spursy. <laughs> yes. One thing I thought was interesting, sort of from all the stuff you hear from the combines and the pre-draft workouts and everything, because you hear a lot of just stuff, and most of it ends up not mattering. And this probably will end up not mattering too. But the Spurs were, I think, the only non-lottery team to talk to Cam Reddish at the combine. I don't know what that tells you, or if that tells you anything, but that's a guy. There seems like he's another guy that would sort of weirdly he's 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 a he's a high lottery pick but but also a project at the same time but has the physical attributes that you you probably want um you know big long wingspan that sort of thing and, and if we're talking about getting to the area where you could take a reddish that's pretty major trade yeah that's 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 why i'm bringing it up it, yeah. it would it would be more than just I don't think you move up to into Cam Reddish territory by just packaging 19 no, 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 or 29 no. together you have to add a player to like it. possibly a guy that we have, it says here on this paper, um, is there any chance of a DeRozan trade? There you go. I mean, that would, you know, now we're just throwing stuff at these foam-colored walls, covered walls, but... One one problem with the DeRozan trade, or one, I, I won't say problem, an issue with the DeRozan trade. Um, my theory on when a DeMar DeRozan would be made available would be, and I'm not pushing for a DeMar DeRozan trade, I want to make that clear. I think he's he could be a productive part of the Spurs for years to come. But... Um, to me, the, the the way that DeRozan becomes tradable is after free agency when teams with cap room kind of miss out on the guys that they want, the guys who are trying for Kyrie or Kawhi or Kevin Durant. After they miss out and they have cap space left, maybe those are the teams that want a DeMar DeRozan to fill in. Um, the problem with that is that's way after, after the draft. draft. Yeah. So there's, there's kind of a threading the needle thing that has to go on with the Spurs in terms of this offseason where their moves might not be made until late, till july quite possibly um, yeah. so um it'll be interesting to see uh over the next day or so up until this draft whether they get anything done i'm, I'm not sure that's going to happen uh but they could be more of a mover and shaker than a lot of people uh think i think yeah i think i mean if you're looking at a draft day trade with derozan you're looking for a team that feels like it has enough youth and just wants that sort of veteran guy who's been there and done that mm -hmm. kind of thing like like a phoenix or somebody like that but okay just the fact they're they've i mean it could mean something a lot of times what the spurs will do is they'll talk to whoever they can talk to just to have you know they'll have intel on cam reddish for four years from now when he's a free right. agent or something but just the fact that they're thinking that way maybe they're got got you know it's a possibility that that they could make a major move one one thing uh, on the draft because we uh, we're not going to offer a lot of intel here because the Spurs aren't exactly forthcoming with that and we have really no idea what RC has up his sleeve right now. Um, a, a, an interesting thing just about the lottery in general, and this gets to uh, well, just want to interrupt. I can tell you what RC has in his hand right now, though. It's a big giant Diet it's, Coke. It is. <laughs> it's 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 one of those uh, 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 the big gulps. He loves the big gulps. Um, this idea of and Jeff. Uh, and Tom deal with this all throughout the year on on the Twitter and and uh, in, in the email of teams saying that uh, or, or a fan saying the Spurs should dra should tank and and rebuild to the lottery. That just doesn't happen. And this is a good example of it. This 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 lottery um, uh, this draft we're going into. When you look at the history, this was tweeted out yesterday. In the history of the entire NBA draft lottery, 
only four players drafted number one overall ended up winning a uh, championship with the team that drafted them. And they play for two teams. It was uh, it was David Robinson, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, and Kyrie Irving. And of those, Tim Duncan is the only one who stayed with his original team and was the best player on a title team. In other words, for all the 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 hype we we talk about when it comes to the lottery and how bi- how how transformative that can be for a team that wins it only one in history really has used that pick to win a championship so when people talk about tanking it's not that easy the spurs have benefited from it more than anyone really are the only ones who did it that way and i i just think if we want to talk about just the spurs long time strategy and, and why do they keep trying to win now when they should just tear it all down and start over. That's kind of the reason for it. It's not as easy as it sounds to tear yeah, it down and start over. Along those same lines, the Toronto Raptors just won the uh, NBA tri- championship. Do you know how many lottery players were on that roster? Players drafted in the lottery by them or anyone else? Uh, I believe... Uh, was I, think, it, was, I think it's zero. Was Kawhi Leonard not a lottery player? He was lottery not a lottery player. He was no, not a lottery pick. No. There you go. I believe the answer is zero. Yeah. And, I mean, that, and if you look at, like, the, be- the best player in the NBA... This year, maybe Giannis, not a lottery pick, right? Um, I mean, you can go on and on with guys like that. So, in other words, that that's off the uh, the plan what we were t- going to talk about. But I just wanted to, to use this. S- speak, to, go ahead, Tom. Speaking of Demar Derozan, I uh-huh. just want to get y'all's take. Uh, you know, we all know what he went through after the trade, but just seeing how things unfolded with Toronto, I'm just wondering from a personal stamp from his personal standpoint, what do you think? he went through this summer and where, where do you think his head is at now? And I, what, I can't what, wait to ask him. That. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I would imagine it's probably a bittersweet kind of thing. Cause he has personal relationships. He will tell you that Kyle Lowry is his best friend. So seeing Kyle Lowry win a title and, and enjoy it. I think on that personal level, you got to be happy for your friend, but at the same time, it's got to be killing him. Yeah. Like he yeah. wanted to be the guy that was there when they had the parade and, it's just such a fascinating story yeah. to me to see what what he went through, and we all saw him at different levels this year and how he coped with things. And now this extra layer is on, on his plate to deal with. I, I'll, I'll just say this: I consider like I hate hate saying this. I consider both you guys like sort of acquaintances, like friendly, like whatever. <laughs> uh, we, we 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 both we all three of us go way back. If if for some reason like I left, I got I got traded away from the Express News tomorrow. Yeah, like the they just decided. The Express News cannot be productive without Mike Finger anymore, and we need to send him to another country. You're just giving to, him ideas just now. to get rid of him. <laughs> and then next you year, be quiet. and then next year, Jeff McDonald and Tom Warsborn won the Pulitzer Prize what? for sports reporting. I wouldn't be very happy about it. Like I would be upset. I I, I would be good, like good for you guys, but I would it would just kill me. Yeah. It would absolutely yeah. kill me. Yeah. Just think of what that's like. Like sure, he's happy for his friend. But they were better without him. Yeah, this yeah. whole season was the Raptors were better without DeMar DeRozan. They right. needed to get rid of him for this to happen. It's hard not to take that personally. It's, it's such a compelling human drama to see it play out. It is. Yeah. Um, and like Jeff said, I can't wait to ask him about it because if anything, he is honest to a fault. And I'm sure he will tell us exactly how he felt and, and, and what he went through. But um, it is like, like Tom, you're saying, it's just fascinating human drama to see um, that one of the nicest guys, one of the most genuine guys in the league to yeah. cover, yeah. uh, and to, and to basically he's, he's having to go through the whole thing of that team needed to get rid of me to win a title. Yeah. Each, mm. as each game played out, I found myself thinking more about DeMar than, than anyone else. Um, you know, maybe I, I don't have a great, I mean, we're not best buds or anything, but I have a better relationship 
with him than I had with Kawhi. Yeah. But I'm not a Kawhi hater either. Right. But I just found myself thinking about uh, DeMar after every I game. I have a better relationship with the cashier at H-E-B <laughs> than I have with Kawhi. <laughs> at least that lady talks. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, I I don't think we have a whole lot more uh, on the draft itself. Does anybody have anything that they want to say about um, – just what the Spurs need to do in the draft or, or anything related to that before we get into uh, reminiscing? Um, uh, people like Cam Johnson. Okay. I don't know. Well, one of your biggest sources on draft information is a North Carolina lower. I know that for a fact. So. <laughs> gotta. I just thought you gotta take that, that with, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Um, a project that – Jeff and Tom have spent a lot of time over the past month, really over the past season. It's been uh, 20 years in the making. It's Let's been just put 20 it, put years it in the making. Uh, throughout the year, uh, whenever we'd come across Will Perdue's or Malik Rose's or players such as that, 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 that we would see around the league, we, we, um, or I say we, Jeff and Tom especially, reached out to these people and, and got their remembrances of what happened 20 years ago and that that project is uh going to come to fruition pretty soon wonder if uh tom you can start talking about kind of what that was all about and 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 uh kind of what stuck out about reporting on this 20th anniversary of that 1999 title yeah in a perfect world you'd love to have all these guys sitting at a table and you could you know doing a podcast yeah exactly but in a room with foam (laughs) on the wall it was it was uh catch when catch can um you know uh, we caught up with David Robinson just recently at a at an event he did at Fort Sam Houston, and um, it was in a, a a group setting with other media. So you you had to shoot the questions at him when you can. And David, you know, you guys were talking about Demar. David's always honest, and and he's he's great. Uh, it's just getting him. You know, he's so inaccessible um, for whatever reason. But it, it was it was fun to talk to him about that. What what was kind of your favorite story of uh that you heard from players i'm giving it away now yeah i mean it's part of uh promoting the product yeah i I maybe don't want to tell the whole story but i liked um sometimes it's better to talk to the guys that are um you know not the stars on that team or even guys you even think of being part of that team but guys that were there and were in the locker room and just and um you know a lot one one of the guys i talked to is antonio daniels who lives here in town and is uh easy to get on the phone. But um, one of the things I was, one of the many things I was fascinated about is just how those veteran guys they brought in right before the, right before the uh, season kind of, kind of took it to the other, uh, the next level. You know, they had, they'd had David and Sean and Avery just not able to get over the hump for so years. And they bring in guys that have won titles, Steve Kerr, Mario Ellie. Um, and so I, one, one, there's, there's a, there's a pretty fun Mario Ellie story in there. I'll just put it that way. Just, he was kind of Mr. No nonsense, like yeah. like tough guy. Like David was saying, would fight anybody on their team, not on their team. Yeah, Jerome Kersey was huge yeah. too. Fourteen year vet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was another guy that was on. And team. that took a lot of the pressure off David. Yeah, you know, sure. uh, these guys were tough, and and you know they brought that element that everyone said was missing from fairly or unfairly was missing from David's game. One thing we heard from every everybody, I think all three of us heard it from different players that we talked to, was a. All of them will bring up that Houston game. Yep. Um, early in, not well, you say early in the season, but it, it was early in a fifty-game season, so it was almost like the quarter pole of the season where they go in there six and eight on the brink. There's rumors just flying everywhere that Pop's going to be fired. You know, there's even named Doc Rivers is going to be the coach. Yeah. 
Um, and they kind of have a team meeting and say, like, like they all, for some reason, liked Pop, who was not Pop at that time. It was right. his second full year. And yeah. uh, certainly, I don't think Pop had, like, the city on his side at that point and the fans on his side. He was just some... Far from it. Yeah. yeah. The, guy so, who, the guy who stole the team from Bob Hill. Yeah. Was yeah. yeah. was the public yeah. perception at that time. But the players apparently were all behind him, and so there was this meeting of just, like, we don't... If we don't like we know we're good we're supposed to be good like if we don't get this together we're gonna have a new coach nope. and then they just started rattling off wins from that the yeah. anecdote that's already been in the paper that it, that it is not a spoiler and, and it's been told a couple times is is uh, malik rose had mentioned to me that he knew that it was serious because david had been called in and spoke to ownership about the pop thing before the houston game and basically ownership had let david know if things don't change uh pop is going to be gone um and Malik had told me that uh, the night of the Houston game, they're talking in the locker room before the game starts. And Malik is cutting up, as Malik often did. And this was even young Malik, so he was even more of a kind of a jokester. And he said it was one of one or two times in the history of the world <laughs> that he heard David Robinson use a curse word. And it's basically said, Malik, shut the blank up and and – and listen, because if if things don't change tonight, you know, we could lose Greg Popovich. The whole season could fall apart. And that was kind of the what what you were saying, like we all heard the stories about that was the turning point of the year when when and the, the guys uh, that had been there, it, it was they were in Pop's corner. But it was also like the like the Sean's, the David's, the Avery's that had been there a while. They were just sick of new coaches. Oh, it was yeah. a, like like Sean yeah. was rattling off all the guys he played for when he was there, and sometimes there's a guy for one game, or it's we're losing guys in the middle. You know, they're firing guys in the middle of the season again. Like they just wanted some. They knew that wasn't working, and they needed to stick with with somebody for a while. Tarkanian, yeah. uh, uh, Lucas, Rex Hughes, for, Rex Hughes yeah. for like a yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On and on. Bob Hill, Larry Brown. Um, one of the uh, questions on the um on the on the outline for this podcast, which does exist, um. Asked which individual benefited the most from the yeah, title. That's a good one. Tim Duncan, David Robinson, or Greg Popovich? Well, Pop, I mean, <laughs> without it, uh, with a, we were just talking about that game in, against Houston. He's gone, and, and he's, yeah. no one remembers him. Like, he's, uh, another, he's another fill-in. Like you Pop, know? Pop is the answer, but, I, yeah. I, you, almost, like, but you want to say David, too, because yeah. he was just the guy that was too soft and too yeah. nice to lead a title team. and yeah. Uh, and maybe that was true because he also needed, you know, uh, well, another top five, top ten NBA player to team up with him to get it done. But it did, it did, you know, he can say he's won two titles now, right. where uh, you know he's not banished to that Charles Barkley, Carl Malone area of yeah, it's great player who just couldn't get over the hump. Right. It's, kind, we're, of a, it's we're, kind of amazing looking at what you just said um, in the current context of how NBA titles are won because nobody wins a title yeah, by himself yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. You say, oh, David needed Tim yeah. to win a title. But nowadays you need three stars yeah, to win a title. Right, like yeah. no one does it by himself. Kawhi yeah. sort of did. Yeah. Uh, but over the past decade or so, like there is no shame at all in yeah. being second fiddle on a championship team. That's changed a lot. Le LeBron changed that, I think. But he, he was the guy that I was talking about about DeRozan, that's who I was thinking of the most during that run was Robinson. For sure. Yeah. There's, there's a I, lot. I, of... I, was, I was really happy for him. You know, he he went through a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of criticism. There's a lot of um, similarity there that I'd never thought of until you mentioned that between David Robinson and DeMar DeRozan. And if it's, it's like 
it's like the thing. Dave, DeMar Tutorano, this almost sounds sacrilegious, but DeMar Tutorano was what David was to San Antonio uh-huh. yeah. for a long time. This guy that everybody uh-huh. loved, uh-huh. but that everyone sort of acknowledged, eh, we might not be able to win the title with this as the best guy on the team. And if the Raptors had been able to trade Kyle Lowry for Kawhi Leonard, yeah. DeMar's got his title. And they, yeah. they right. nobody yeah. looks at it. Like you just, nobody, people look at him different. Yeah. Even though it wasn't really his doing, so to speak. And then, you know, I know it's overblown to talk about fans in the city and all that stuff, but it was it was really cool. After, you know, living through that 79 collapse, yeah. you know, that was so associated 97 with— 97 collapse. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, 95 with when Rodman uh, uh, sabotaged everything, right. uh, so to speak. But, um, yeah, it was, just, it was just really cool, really cool. Um, what do we have on the uh, Memorial Day miracle? Uh, I feel like I feel like we talk about it a lot, but um, it's uh, Tom. Were you at that game? No, I was not. Uh, I was not. All right, um, it's one of those. It but, is one of those where I think everybody, especially if you're lived here or were a Spurs yeah. fan or whatever, everybody remembers where they were. Yeah, when they saw it. Yes. So, so could do that. Like where were where were you when you were you watching it live? Yeah, yeah, watching it live. Yeah. It's a long story. Okay. But, <laughs> well, we got time. Uh, yeah. It's just a podcast. You're uh, but, allowed to talk but, forever, I think. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, we and going back to present day, uh, to, uh, Leonard's shot against uh, the Sixers, For bounce, sure. bounce, yeah. bounce. I thought immediately of Elliot, which was the tougher, which was the more, yeah. That is, I mean, same spot on the floor, basically. Yeah. 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 And it's like an uh, iconic shot, but I don't. I think they probably probably still win the series without. I mean, they were up one zero. Yes, I. You know, like so. I, I don't. There's always been a part of me that thought, well, they would have still won. The, the right? one thing that yeah. people says, and he, like, I mean, Sean, God bless him, has to say <laughs> he likes talking about that. But it's like sure. up until that point, they were always a team that found a way to screw it up. Yep. You know, and even when they're favored, they find a way to screw it up. And here they were at home in the Western Conference Finals. Screwing it up against Portland, down eighteen. I think that's part of it too. Part, that's part of it too is having uh, completing the comeback against the same franchise where they had one of those memorable yeah. screw ups. Yeah. None of those the teams had passed and, you know, the, yeah. the head. <laughs> and Portland was good. Portland went back to the Western Conference Finals the next year. Like yeah, they were yeah. a good team. Um, none of those teams had Tim Duncan, of course, yeah. and yeah. Pop. Yeah, yeah. So An- another question that we asked a lot of players throughout the year, a lot of people who were around that team throughout the year was wh- at one, what point did they realize that they actually were on their way to a title or that, a, that a na- or the NBA title was realistic for the first time. And, and I, I, I thought it was interesting that a couple of them were talking about how, when they finally started beating Utah and, and we forget about how uh, much of a, a, a monkey on the back the Utah thing was in the mid to late 90s for this franchise. Yeah, Utah had been to the previous two finals and had knocked the Spurs out the year before and some other times before that. And, yeah, I, I, some a couple players said that like because they, they played Utah twice in the final month of that regular season in April and beat them yeah. twice. One of them was on the road like they just – yeah. Hammered Utah. I couldn't imagine, Tom, wouldn't you agree? Like, Carl Malone was oh. enemy number one here yeah. for a long yeah. time. <laughs> well, yeah. I think back of that game when he elbowed he, Dave in the head. Well, that and uh, they had that uh, silly pinata contest oh, sponsored yeah. by Taco Cabana. And in one of the oh, classic yeah. villain, yeah. spur villain moments, he shreds the, goes out there at halftime, he shreds the pinata. Right. 
I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, at, I, think that, he, I was at that game. Really, like yeah, as a, I was as a, too, as yeah. a kid. Though. I think I did a cider on that game. <laughs> you did a cider. Uh, yeah. I was eating popcorn uh, in the top. I got a, I got a letter from my sixth grade teacher after that game, uh, Mrs. Sutter, uh, saying, I haven't written, talked to you in so long, but I was so happy you wrote about that because I hate <laughs> Carl Malone. <laughs> Carl? I don't, I'm not sure there was a less popular no. person in, in San Antonio during that time. Definitely, yeah. definitely. definitely. Yeah. He, was, he was the guy. Yeah. And, you know, when going back to the 99 season when they started beating him twice, and, and part of it was the way they beat him. Like you'd hear people, a couple of players say it's because we realized they had no answer for Duncan. And if we had to, if we, we we found that on April, they just didn't know what to do with them. And if we had to play them in the in the playoffs, we knew we we had that in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. Didn't ended up not having to play Utah in the playoffs during that run, but they knew like at the time Utah's quote unquote the best in the West, and yeah. we feel pretty confident we can handle Stockton, them. Malone, Jerry Sloan. Yep. What 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 do you guys think is? Um, the legacy of that particular team as a, it's hard to, to separate that from what came after it. But um, it's almost like people don't remember, people still associate Mario Ellie more with the Rockets and the Spurs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, Jerome Kersey was on the team. You always, think of him as a trailblazer. A trailblazer. Steve yeah. Kerr's kind of his, has his own identity, but those, those guys will Purdue. those guys were key members of that team. The veterans that kind of came and, and uh, showed them how to win. Um, I, I, I don't know what 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 sticks out when you think of that '99 team, you guys. Well, Dun- just Duncan, Duncan, like it just said. You knew he was good the year before, the rookie of the year year, but just watching him just dominate everybody, and it, like when I think back to that playoff run, it feels like he averaged 50 points a game and shot 112 percent, like just mm-hmm. never missed, and any any difficult shot he took was good. Like it, it that's just sort of, um, it's sort of where. I mean, everybody knew Duncan was going to be good. When the Spurs won that lottery, like, the city went nuts. But that was just sort of the fruition of it, that this this guy's going to be really good for a long time. And and I feel I feel like – I don't know how maybe maybe it was. or I mean, I feel like people thought the Spurs would – now we're, they're going to win five in a row. I mean, at least fans did. You know, like, like we, have, we have Duncan and, and David. We're going to – we're going to win a bunch of titles in a row, and it wasn't until 2003 right. that they, they broke through again. In part because wow. that team out west had. Oh, how good they were defensively. Kind yeah. of the dawn of the, yeah. the Greg Popovich defensive machine that we've seen. Uh, I think they – back then, you know, you look at you look at the, how the scoring's changed, but I think 18 – only twice uh, in the 18 playoff games they had that season, they gave up more than 89 points. Yeah. It was a different era. Yeah, yeah the games changed so so yeah. much. Like in that era, uh, that in that era, you just if, if if you're an opposing team, you get past the guards, and there's David and yeah. Tim, like just right. taking up the entire paint. We haven't even mentioned Avery. I mean, to me, that's yeah. The, well, that's, Avery was the that's other. That's the Avery title. That's right. the one there that was go. the Avery title. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's and a I mean, good point I mean, too. He, he hit a big shot, and no, he wasn't the best player in the team. No, he wasn't one of the top three. But I mean, he played a role. Sort and, of him making this shot was sort of fit. Him being the one to make sure. the shot was fitting. and kind of um, just this team that always before pounding the rock was cool. Like Avery, as his career was pounding the rock, he he kind of exemplifies um, how much the 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 franchise changed throughout the course of their. Some people get offended when I say the word dynasty because there were no back to backs. But it was a it was a twenty year period of of excellence. Um, and the way that started with Avery Johnson as your point guard. I mean, you can you even conceive of a of a of a team 
uh, with point guard as a with Avery Johnson as point guard winning in this era. It was a completely I mean, different era. They then. really couldn't then. Do you remember the famous Damon Stoudemire quote? Like the, the Spurs will never win a title with Avery Johnson. Right. Future Spurs point guard Damon Stoudemire said that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and Avery would not be mishandled. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. he, I mean, he like you said, he did kind of uh, personify pounding the rock. I mean, he was the guy who stuck with it and. Um, you know, that was the era like Tom is talking about where it was all defense and that the, the NBA finals games were in the 80s and 70s. And now when you compare that to the beautiful game of 2014, the last title that they won, it was a, just a completely different uh, sport almost yeah. uh, with, with the only common denominator being Tim Duncan and, 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 and Greg pe- Popovich. People will wonder why when you go to the AT&T Center, Avery Johnson's number up is up there, but that's why. Yeah. That title is why. And, and the fact that he was behind the scenes, he was the guy basically running the locker room. And, and you know, he's the one that kept the locker room behind Pop when it looked like yeah. it, might, it might implode. Well, uh, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I think that it's going to sound okay because we're inside this egg, egg carton. And uh, the, 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 how, how do you guys feel like this went? I like... We need a new host. That's <laughs> pretty good, except for the host. You should trade me for Kawhi Leonard and everything. It'll will, be a shorter <laughs> podcast. That's for everything, sure. Everything will uh, <laughs> uh, be history after that. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this new format. Uh, we've done podcasts over the past couple of years. Um, we thought we'd try something new with everybody talking at the same time. Um and we will do it again sometime. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Spurs Insider, our NBA podcast from expressnews.com. We will be back at a uh, time and date to be determined. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.